Welcome to another episode of the CC Podcast Conversations, where inspiring Christians share their faith-filled stories. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. This helps push our content to a broader audience. Are you new to listening? Check out our other podcasts. First, the CC Podcast Daily Dose Devotions, where we're walking through the Bible, focusing on short clips of Scripture. Second is the CC Broadcast, where our weekly radio programming is archived. These podcasts are available wherever you're listening or at christiancrusaders.org. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Here's our host, Matt Reister, the Executive Director of Christian Crusaders. Hey everybody, Matt Reister here at the 2023 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Orlando. We're in our booth. I got Andrew with me who's been producing podcasts the last couple days. Andrew, you're doing well? Doing really well, Matt. I'm looking at about... 10 dozen palm trees out the window. So. How late were you up last night? I hit the sack at about midnight. I was up messing with podcasts until close to one. Yeah, I knew you lasted a lot longer than I did. Yeah. Short on sleep, but we're making yep. hay while the sun shines. Oh, and while it doesn't. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, talk about hay. This oh, interview you're about to listen to. This is it just. This is a pastor who's a former organized crime member. Like an from enforcer kind of Ukraine, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, who did jail time or prison time back before the Soviet Union broke up. So he was in a Soviet Union jail. Later on, he comes to Jesus Christ. He's a solid believer and a pastor now, and he is ministering to Ukrainian forces on the front line of this war between Russia and Ukraine. And mm-hmm. what was that was amazing to hear his stuff. Yeah. But what's particularly interesting is that this whole thing is through a translator. It's the first time we've ever done a Through the Translator podcast. Yeah. And his translator's got an amazing story, too. Her name's Anya. <laughs> yeah. And Anya's a young gal who I believe is a member of his church yeah. in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we start this off with Anya's story. Yep. Then we talk about Alex. And then we bring in... Uh, representative of Lantern Rescue, which is a ministry that works globally to end child trafficking. Yeah. And they're the ones who brought Anya and Alex from Ukraine for NRB. Right. Just a fascinating experience. At, it, I mean, just it's it's the stories are just incredibly poignant. The 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 material is is so timely. You know, I mean, there's uh, there's a really uh, there's a really great movie going being screened here um, on child trafficking. Um, obviously, the, the conflict in Ukraine is is on the news constantly, and so. it provides an opportunity for child traffickers to come into the chaos and take advantage of. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, this is this is I think going to be one of our one of my favorite interviews uh, of, of the conference. I want to maybe put I don't know if this is a disclaimer, but one thing that is. My view of this Ukraine-Russia thing is evolving even by the day as I talk to people who are on the ground and know what's going on more than I do. I haven't paid a ton of attention to it, yeah. and it's certainly not Christian Crusaders' job or, or desire to put our foot on the scale on this thing. Right. But, but Whitney, who's from Lantern Rescue, mm-hmm. and I had some conversation at the end of this podcast that sheds some light on other conversations that I've had with other people who are in the know, including a, a, a guy who's a former CIA-type guy uh, yep. who could give us some information about what's really going on there. And uh, you'll hear some of that evolution happening even in our conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the quote that you gave me. You asked him if he was Jason Bourne. And he did specifically did not deny it. And it's like, 
okay then. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy this interview and check out all the other ones that we've done this week and, and others before that here on the CC Podcast Conversations. Hey, everybody, this is Matt Reister with the CC Podcast Conversations. We are at National Religious Broadcasters Convention 2023, Orlando, Florida. Before we get started on this interview with Anya and Alex, who are from Ukraine, I want to say thank you to Reasons for Hope. They are a ministry that has helped to underwrite our costs for being here. And so you can learn more about them at r4h.com. That's R-F-O-R-H, Reasons for Hope. They're an apologetics ministry, and they do a lot of great stuff. They've got a great app. And uh, you've heard from Dave Glander on a couple of our podcasts. You're going to hear from him again, as well as their CEO, Wade Wacker. And uh, so thanks to Reasons for Hope for sponsoring us. And now, Anya and Alex, thank you for being here. Thank you for invitation. Thank you. Now, this is going to be the first time I've ever done this, but we're going to speak through a translator. Anya speaks English and Ukrainian, and Alex speaks Ukrainian. And so my conversation with Alex is going to be through Anya. And uh, it, it's cool. I mean, I told you the story of my last time with a translator, and uh, I'm, I'm more excited about this time. You can say that. You can talk in the mic when you translate. Okay. Oh, cool. That's fine. That our people will be able to check and make sure you're honestly saying what I'm saying. Ah, oh, fine. <laughs> Testing. Він каже, що краще говорив мікрофон, все, що ти перекладаєш, щоб люди, які розмовляють українською, могли тебе перевірити. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So before we get started with Alex, Anya, I know you've got an amazing testimony and just kind of a story. And so tell us a little bit of your story. Uh, actually, the war with Russia started in 2014 in Ukraine. That's why uh, Russia, Russian army, they took two regions in 2014. And also they took Crimea Island. That's how everything started uh, nine years ago. And I'm the one who was the refugee. We, we're not calling ourselves refugees because the refugee is somebody who escaped uh, abroad from the country. So I'm eternally displaced person from 2014. My house is still occupied. I fled with my family, my mother, two younger brothers, and also we adopted one orphan, a girl. Actually, she's now married with my younger brother. Wow. Yeah, it's also an amazing story. But when we came, uh, we moved to the central part of Ukraine because central part and western part of Ukraine wasn't occupied by Russians. So we had this possibility to start our life from the beginning, from the new paper. And unfortunately, we saw that all that misunderstanding with occupation will be ended very soon. But it's not for nine years. So you said there is a misunderstanding that the occupation will be over because, because we were thought like when it happened, it happened in 21st century. Nobody thought that it could be possible in 21st century that one country will invade independent country and will take just in terrorist way, take the two regions. So uh, our regions was one of the richest regions in Ukraine. What are the names of the regions that were taken in 2014? Donetsk and Luhansk regions. Okay. Uh, me personally, I was living, my uh, hometown is in Donetsk region, but also I was at the University at Luhansk. And the first missile attack, which 
were studying all the world won Iluhansk in that day when I passed my last exam in university. Wow. So I just saw that like a couple blocks after me. Did you know that was coming or was it complete surprise or ha had Russia been indicating that they were going to come or? No, it was completely surprising. In February 2022, we had some gossiping that Russian army is on our border, so they would like to invade our country. And we still didn't believe that, that it will be a full invasion. But in 2014, it was totally surprising. Wow. So this happens, a, a missile hits or a rocket or something? Yeah, it was missile attack from the aircraft. Okay, so this is 2014, right after you finish your final exam. And, yes. And then what? I came back to my hometown. I was thinking like we could hide in small village where I'm from. But unfortunately the tank was going through the road where I used to drive a bicycle with my friend. Russian tanks? Yeah, Russian tanks. At that point I had two younger brothers. One of them was only seven years old. That's why my dad said, we need to move from here. Just go on vacation to the sea beach. We will spend a couple of weeks and all this misunderstanding will end. Which but sea? Uh, Black Sea. Okay. But unfortunately, uh, we never came back. When I was waving to my grandmom as a teenager, I was caring more about my social media than about saying goodbye to my grandmom because I was thinking that I'm going to vacation. But eventually, I never see her again. She was killed? She, she just died because she was very old and yeah. they don't have medical care. We were trying to evacuate her, but unfortunately, as an old woman, she would like to be buried with her husband yeah. and to end her life in her own house. Yeah. So take me back to that day in 2014. I mean, just one rocket or missile from an airplane hits. Were there a bunch of them all around? No, it was only one missile attack in the, um, like you will call that the main hall, probably. City, City hall. hall. Yeah. Right. But the main uh, memory that I have from that day that I was with my friend. So when the missile attack happens, all people start to just panic and all crowd was just running somewhere to try to hide. And I was looking for my friend. But when I understood that she's talking on the phone to her mom, she's not looking for me. It was some kind of betrayal. And since that moment, I understood that the war will bring a lot of betrayals in your life because wow. people behaving in a very different way. Wow. So then, were you a Christian? Did you were raised in a Christian home or what was your spiritual condition back then? My parents were evangelical Christians, but wow. unfortunately, um, when I was a teenager, I didn't visit church a lot. And when we moved to the central part of Vinica, I was working for one year. I was caring about all our family because my dad decided to stay in the occupation territory to defend our city and home. Wow. And he was caring about his mom, that old woman. Yeah. So he can't uh, send money to us. So when I was 19 years old, I was caring about all our family, rent, food and all that stuff. And I wasn't Christian, totally. I didn't believe in God. Like I know that he, he is somewhere, he's existing, but I didn't need him. How was it that your parents were evangelical Christians in Ukraine? Is there a lot of evangelicals in Ukraine at that time? We have some, but we're more orthodox church, and I'm from a very small village. So if you are drug addicted, everybody will know that you're drug addicted. If you're a priest, everybody will know that you're a priest. 
and my dad, he used to be a pastor in my village, and everybody thought that he is a pastor in a cult. Because Orthodox Church made all this propaganda that evangelical churches, they are just a cult. That's why my family was some kind of outsiders. Yeah, that makes sense. So how did it come to pass that you became more serious about your faith? So my brother, the middle one, uh, he was in 11th grade. Uh, when all that invasion stuff uh, happened. 2014? Yes, and at that point he said, I don't believe in God anymore. But after one year he met a Christian company and he started to visit youth clubs. So I at that point was depressed. My mom had uh, eight months of bleeding. And my younger seven years old brother, he haven't speak for one year because of trauma. So my middle brother, he said, I started to visit youth clubs. Do you mind to go with me? And I was totally depressed. I was laying on the bed. I fired from, I was fired from my work and I was very stressed. What and kind this, of work were you doing? I was like a manager selling cosmetics, like makeup stuff yeah. for girls. But I was working every day for 12 hours for like without day offs for nine months. Wow. So he decided to invite me and I went and there I met Christians which has like inner light. And mm. there I recognized that Russians, they could, stole, they could steal your house, they could steal your friends, they could steal everything except one. They can't steal your inner light if you will not allow them. Your inner light, I like that. So I understood that my parents, they always was speaking about Holy Spirit inside me, that I was born in a Christian family, that I received Jesus when I was nine years old. So I decided that I need to come back this, to return this inner light, and I was very jealous to return that. That's awesome. So what brings you from there to here? I'm going to ask you a question maybe it's inappropriate to ask. How old are you? 27. 27. I was going to guess about that, so that's good. So. What brought you from there then to here now? So um, it's a very beautiful story for young people who just forget about their dreams because when I was a teenager, 14 years old, um, I was living in a small place where we don't have swimming pools, we don't have such a lot of possibilities as American students have. Uh, so I was living in my home just watching TV show, making study and reading books. So I saw that TV show named One Tree Hill. And it's a very popular like TV show in America and in Ukraine. I fell in love with American culture, English language, and I decided I will go to uh, learn how to be director of cinema. And I decided that I will learn English and I will move to America when I was 14 years old. Wow. But when the war started, I forget that I wanted to be in Hollywood, I wanted to be in America and all this stuff. I was curious about only my nation. When I became a Christian, God told me who I am. He told me a lot of prophecy from different people that I was created to save my nation. I was created to be the part of my nation. And when I had this revelation, I got the invitation to come to America for serving my country. So when I come here, my first flight ever was to North Carolina. And one person told me, do you know something about this state? And I said, no, nothing. And she said, one True Hill movie was make it here in this state. What's the name of the show again? One True Hill. Spell it. O-N-E-T-R-E-E-H. One Tree Hill. Yep. 
Okay, I, I I must be clueless because I've never heard of it. But <laughs> that's the show you felt, and it was filmed in North Carolina, yes. where you were going. Yes. Okay, keep going. So, so it's my point that God showed me how you can forget about your dreams, but ah. if it's from Holy Spirit, if God have some special plan to you, he, first of all, He will show your identity, why you were born in your land, why you were born in your nation. And after that, He will make these dreams come true. So when was that that you took your first flight to North Carolina? in October 2022. So, just a few months ago. Yep. Have you been here ever since? Uh, this is my second time. So, you went back home yes. to Ukraine. Yes. How long were you here in October? Uh, one month. Okay. And then you came back when? Just now? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. So for NRB? Y or? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, who are you coming here with and how did you get here and how did that all get arranged? When the war started, uh, we found some connection with an organization named Lantern Rescue, and they're helping persecution uh, Christians and also about human trafficking, and also they're helping with the crisis and conflict. That's how they found very interesting and useful to help Ukraine, and they're helping us since the beginning of the war. So their team invited us here. Lantern Rescue, and that's who those people are. Yeah. Lantern Rescue. So tell me about what they are doing, and tell me about the threat of human trafficking in Ukraine. Is it is it more risky or desperate because of the war? Uh, what's all that? Unfortunately, our government doesn't pay attention about uh, human trafficking right now because they all aware about frontline and refugees. But it's really very important issue because we have a border, and on the border we have thousands of women and children which were vulnerable and unfortunately a lot of them were like just tr tr uh, it was like some kind of trap to invite them for some aid they were saying like we will help you we'll give you something we will find you job but after that they just took their documents but also we have such a huge problem on uh, our eastern part of Ukraine that Russian army they kidnapped a lot of orphans a lot of kids just recently in the, just in the recently. most recent invasion yes they are saying for example we want to bring your kid to a camp in russia and parents saying oh okay fine camp sounds good but they never return their kids wow and what is lantern rescue doing about that right now uh the problem is that the commander uh, who was responsible for human trafficking in Ukraine, the person who can do that, who could be this connection between London Rescue and that people which need to be rescued, he's the commander on the front line. So it's physically impossible. He's busy with other stuff. He's yes. distracted with a war, right? Yes. Okay. Is that basically your story in a nutshell? Yeah, probably. Okay. I mean, what else should we know? Uh, that God is such a kind to us and even when you're depressed and you're forgetting about your dreams he will return you everything even when you're living in a war wow what a testimony now we're going to turn to alex uh how did you get to meet alex and what's the nature of your relationship do you want him to answer of you guys of you two um anya Приїхала в 2014 році в Вінницю, і вона прийшла до нас в церкву. In 2014 she escaped her home, and in 2015 she came to our church. Разом зі всією своєю родиною. With all her family. 
So your church was in the place that you were a refugee in. Тобто ваша церква знаходиться в місті, куди Аня переїхала. Так, так, да. Це центр України, Вінниця. The name of the city Vinnytsia and it's in central part of Ukraine. I learned something now. Doc means yes. Doc, doc, doc. Я тобто ще зрозумів, що так це означає yes. Так, так, він зрозумів слово так. I'm learning Ukrainian. Я вивчаю українську. So your church, what do you mean your church? Коли ви кажете ваша церква, що ви маєте на увазі? Церква, яку Бог нам сьогодні дає збудовувати всією нашою командою. У нас дуже хороша команда служителів, які готові посвячувати себе Богу і служінні людям. When I'm saying our church, I mean the myself, I'm as a pastor of this church, and also we have a huge team of leaders and servants of God which sacrifice their life to serve God in full-time ministry. And it's an evangelical, Bible-based, gospel-centered church. We're having a battle in American Christianity about the Word of God. And there's a debate, is the Bible inerrant or not? Do you know what I mean? Is the Bible... Um, Is it true? Is it real? It, oh, okay. Are the words inerrant? There's no error. Чи Біблія вона істина, чи вона повноцінна істина, чи є в неї якісь помилки? Це зараз битва в Америці. Я думаю, що люди, які вважають, що Біблія не є повною істиною, вони в глибокому заблудженні. I think that people which think that Bible is not full and it's not the truth they just have some misunderstanding of whole Christianity. Yeah. I think that God gave us to uh, to us like a mankind. He gave the understanding about us and about him only through his world through the Bible. Ми віримо, що Бог і сьогодні говорить через людей, життя людей, але він не не виходить за рамки слова Божого, тобто Біблії. And we believe that God is still talking to people, but all of these talks, all the prophecies, it's also through his word. Amen. Did you always believe this? Ви також це вірите? Ви вірите? Звичайно. We believe in Bible. Have you always believed this? Коли я зустрівся з Богом з того часу, я не сумніваюся його істинності слова, тобто Біблії, і що Бог насправді існує, він є, він серед нас завжди. When I met Jesus, yes, I started to believe in that that God is always with us and he's moving through the word. Але до цього часу я відвідував Традиційну православну церкву, де, на жаль, мені слово там не проповідувалось. 
true in many churches in America as well. If the word of God is not true, if it's not inerrant, then what do we base our faith on? So, you, you said you believe that from the time that you came to faith in Christ. How did you come to faith in Christ and when was that? Бог мене знайшов у 1997 році. God found me in 1997. He found me in very bad place. Серед залежних людей від наркотиків та преступного світу. Among the criminal world and among the drug addicted people. What were you doing? Що ви робили? Що ви робили? Що я робив в тому житті, коли був наркоманом і бандитом? Те, що й роблять наркомани, я вживав багато наркотиків, це вбивало мене. Також, щоб мені мати наркотики, мені потрібно було займатися кримінальним світом. When I was a part of a criminal world, uh, they, I had some kind of responsibilities to be a part of my mafia, mafia world. And also I was a drug addicted person. I uh, used a lot of heavy drugs in my past. What? Go ahead. Я зробив дуже багато, на жаль, людям горя, проблем. Я був з людиною проблеми. Unfortunately, I used to be a person, a problem person, and I brought a lot of injuring and harm to people's life. Як для суспільства, так і для своїх рідних. I hurted community people and I hurted my family. By the way, I just want him to know, and I want our audience to know, I'm not um, daunted by any of this. I, I, I'm not, there's nothing that he can share that is out of bounds. It's, speak as freely as you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and if I ask any questions that are out of bounds, I've, I've done some interviews I, one interview in particular with a former gangster who had committed murder on multiple occasions and he was uncomfortable talking about that in detail not because he didn't want to talk about it but because he was still afraid of his former connections and and how they would respond to him sharing those stories. Він не ділився деталями ситуації, не через те, що йому було неприємно згадувати. Він боявся, що люди з минулого його знайдуть. And so he shared much of his story, but there's some things that he withheld. Є були якісь деталі, які він утримав своїй історії. By the way, for our audience, that's the Ron Gruber interview on this podcast. It's episode number one. If you want to tell him. Є реклама, це є епізод номер один. Um, so, are you willing to share in detail or with more specificity some of the things you were involved with, bad things, 
before you came to faith in Christ? Чи можете ви поділитися якимись деталями цього жаху вашої історії перед тим, як ви прийшли до Ісуса? And і також are you concerned now that now that you're away from the ma- the mafia activities? Are you concerned with your own safety because of previous connections and people from your former life? Чи ви переживаєте за своє зараз безпеку, коли у вас є таке минуле, чи, ну, вас можуть знайти якісь старі ваші знайомі? Переживання за своє минуле у мене немає, тому що я знаю, що моє минуле воно позаду. I don't have any worries about my past because I know that my past is in my past. Щоб щось доганяло мене з того світу, навіть люди з уголовного світу, мене з ними всі питання закриті. Nobody is following me and even the people from the past, all the questions are closed. Також законом у мене всі питання закриті. I also don't have any troubles with law. Я ріс з самого дитинства серед людей, які займалися криміналом. I was growing up when I was even a kid uh, among the people which were very connected to uh, criminal world. Фактично мене виховувала вулиця. I can say that I grew up on the street. Ті хлопці, які готували мене для того, того життя, в яке я потрапив. My friends which helped me to grow up was all the part of criminal world so they were preparing me to be their part. 17 років я вже отримав срок 5 років тюрми. First time I uh, was in the jail when I was 17 years old. Коли я не знаходився в тюрмі, я там теж себе почував достатньо своєю людиною. And when I was in jail, I felt that I was in charge. Тому що ті люди, які стояли за мною, вони мали авторитет в головному світі. Because my criminal group, they had a huge authority and power in society. That's why even in jail, I was a part of that group and I was very respected. Тому там в тюрмі я також мав свій вплив і я відсидів усі п'ять років. And I have been in jail for five years. Звільнився і продовжив таке саме життя, як я його вів до. Unfortunately, after these five years, I just continued to live my style of life. Тільки звичайно, я вже став старше віком і мав якийсь уже авторитет після а, тюрми, і я став робити ще більше поганих справ. But because I was elder and also I have this authority from jail, now I become even more cruel to people and I did a lot of bad stuff. На жаль, навіть коли я був зовсім юним хлопцем, я багатьох людей поранив ножем, тобто я різав людей ножем. I injured a lot of people with knife. Але після звільнення у мене було вже більше зброї і, на жаль, я поранив людей, але дякуючи Богу нікого не вбив. And I had a lot of weapon 
and it's just only God's mercy that I didn't kill anyone, but I hurt a lot of people. Але мені прийшлося стріляти у людей, тому що вони теж були озброєні. It was one of my tasks to uh, shoot into people because they also had guns. Але коли я став залежним від наркотиків, той кримінальний світ, який мав авторитет, він мене не захотів приймати таким. Unfortunately, when I become drug addicted person, my criminal group get rid of me. І я дуже став багато вживати наркотиків. And I started to be addicted from heavy drugs. Ось саме такому стані мене знайшов Господь. Ремесло кримінальне, яким я займався, це було пограбування людей. We were uh, stealing stuff from people. And then reselling it? І перепродавали? Перепродавали? Перепродавав? Ні, я нічого не перепродавав. Я просто забирав у людей всі їх надбання, золото, гроші і... Я цим всім користувався. No, we were stealing uh, people's houses and people. So it was like jewelry and money and technique stuff. I just used that Звичайно, with my own purpose. Звичайно, якісь коштовності надо було збувати. Sometimes we sold jewelry like expensive stuff. Переводити це все, ну, no cash. Because we need the cash money. How would your organization, your criminal organization, have compared to other criminal organizations in the Ukraine? Was it a, a big one? Was it one of the smaller ones? Was it well known? I grew up in not very big uh, city. It's like 70,000 people. Я створив таку кримінальну групу, яка була якби ми дві таких були в місті групи, де ми мали один проти одного конфронтацію. In my city we have only two big groups, one of one of mine and the people which were against me. Тому когось з моїх неприятелів мені Пришлося стріляти чи ризати. That's why I killed that my enemy, which I suppose it was my enemy, I killed them, uh, tried to kill them with shooting or cutting. Це була війна двох групіровок. It was the war inside of us, our city. Yeah. Uh, what was it that, why did you go to jail for the first time? Це було пов'язано також зі зброєю і крадіжкою. Because I it was connected to the illegal weapon and stealing stuff. Ми пограбували магазин і коли до мене приїхала поліція додому, 
вона знайшла у мене також зброю, і за це я мав цей термін ув'язнення. We stole the whole store, and when police came to my house, they found illegal weapon in my house. So it was case for two illegal stuff. So fast forward to where you were just at when you said that you were uh, got kicked out of the of the criminal organization because of your drug addiction. Um, by the way, what what drugs was he addicted to? Від опіуму. Тобто я до 9 років вживав опіум. I was I have been addicted for 9 years of opium. So you get kicked out, you're at this low point in your life and that's where God met you. How did that happen? Один із моїх знайомих, він прийшов перший до Христа. Це була людина, яка теж майже все своє життя провела в криміналітеті. He also was a criminal guy. І коли я його зустрів, він сказав, що Бог сильний звільнити від такого життя. Він був дуже натхненний, він був дуже радий на тому житті, яке він уже мав в Христі. God delivered, liberated him from addiction. And when he came, he testified that I met the God who can help you with your addiction and wow. change your life. І він почав запрошувати мене в церкву на служіння. He invited me to church. І я деякий час міг приходити, слухати, дивитися те, що проходить в Євангельській церкві, бо до цього я в Євангельську церкву ніколи не заходив навіть, був тільки в православній церкві. And I used to visit only Orthodox church, so it was my first experience in evangelical churches ever. And I started to visit the services on evangelical churches. Потім я зустрів ще одних своїх знайомих, які сказали, що у нас в місті з'явилася нова церква, і вони проповідують про те, що Ісус може звільнити людей від залежності наркотичної. At the same time, I met another group of my friends, which said, we know the new church in our city, they just came, this is missionaries, and this is evangelical church. They know Jesus who can help you to be liberated. Я погодився прийти на це зібрання, і там я по-особливому пережив дотик Бога. Це було щось неймовірне. And my first and that my first visit to that new church was just incredible. I felt that Holy Spirit touched my heart. Я пережив Бога на фізичному рівні, навіть я не зрозумів, що це. Я сказав, це якісь екстрасенси, я більш туди ніколи не піду. I even thought like I get these people are witches. They are like magic people because on physical level I feel something and I can't explain that. Wow. Але щось все одно мене туди тягнуло. І моя дружина, тому що я тоді вже був одружений, вона почала перша приходити в зібрання. 
And at that moment, my wife, she said, I will visit that church. And she was the first who became Christian in our family. Я Бог доторкнувся до мене, але я не зміг це прийняти як дотик Бога. Не було кому мені пояснити, що таке трапилося зі мною. Unfortunately, at that moment when I felt the touching of God, nobody explained to me that God tried to knock into your hard door. That's why I didn't left my addiction. Тому моя дружина, вона молилася за мене і просила, щоб молилися за мене в церкві, до мене додому приходили брати і сестри, які також молилися за мене і намагалися мене привести до Ісуса. And my wife, she was praying for me, about me for a long time, and she even invited her friend from the church to come to our house to pray on my bed, so I could be saved. І от одного разу, коли я прийшов на зібрання, я звернувся до Ісуса і попросив Його, щоб Він знову до мене доторкнувся, так як це було в перший раз, коли я прийшов в це зібрання. Once I came to the church with my wife and I asked God, Jesus, can you touch me again as you did it at first time? Я встав на коліна і дуже сильно просив нього про цей дотик. I was on my knee in the center of the church and I was begging God to touch me again. Але я не пережив цього дотику. But unfortunately, I don't know why God didn't do that with me again. Ну щось зі мною трапилось, тому що я на другий день не захотів іти вживати наркотики. I didn't experience any physical changes, but on the second day I didn't have any desire to use drugs again. Wow. Мені насправді було дуже погано. And I physically I was just struggling very much. I mean like because of drugs I needed that physically. Я більш 20 днів не міг навіть заснути. So when I stopped to use drugs, I can't sleep for 20 days. І мені хотілося піти і вжити наркотики. And I had this temptation to come back to drug Але якась невидима сила, вона мене здержувала дома, я залишався вдома всі ці дні. But some invisible God's hand was holding me at home, so I just never left my home for that 20 days. Keep telling the story. Розказуйте, так цікаво. Да, цікаво. Тоді мені було не дуже цікаво, коли мені було так сильно погано. When I felt this curtain in my body as a drug addicted person. Насправді це була боротьба у мене всередині у мене. It was a battle inside of me. В моєму мозку. In my mind, in my heart, I was just fighting. Я знаю, що мені допомагав Бог в цій боротьбі. And I know that only God helped me to win this battle. Сейчас церква молилася за мене. And the church was praying about me in that moment. Приходили брати і сестри до мене додому. My brothers and sisters they were visiting me and praying about me at home. Вони намагались спілкуватися зі мною. They were trying to uh, talk with me. І коли мені стало вже трошки краще, я Вирішив уже, я не міг, не міг спати, але я думаю, буду ходити, мене недалеко там, де я живу, річка, я буду ходити а, рибалити. And when I felt 
a little bit better, I decided, okay, I'm not a drug-addictive person anymore. I have river not far away from my home. I will go fishing. Але цей стан емоційний, душевний, він не дозволяв мені, не було такого терпіння, щоб сидіти на березі і рибалити. But unfortunately, I was emotionally so drained that I didn't have like this capacity to stay at the river and to be patient to fishing. І я цим станом поділився з пастором, який прийшов мене відвідати. And once my pastor came to me and I shared this feelings with him. І пастор сказав, що тобі риболовля не допоможе, тобі треба молитися. And my pastor he said, fishing will not help you, you need to pray. І дякуючи Богу, я почув його. And thanks to God, I heard him. І фактично з перших місяців свого християнства я почав годинами молитися. That's how from the first uh, days of my Christianity I started to pray for hours. Спати нормально я не міг, і тому коли ранок наступав, я виходив з дому і йшов на поля, йшов, там мене недалеко сад. That's why I can't sleep uh, at night very good. That's why at early morning I just left my home, I went to the fields, to the garden, and I was just trying to pray to God for hours. It used to be three, four hours of prayer. That gave me power. Я тоді не дуже це розумів, але зараз я розумію, як Бог в той час розмовляв зі мною. I didn't understand that God was talking to me at that moment. Now I see that clear. Тому що ті речі, що я получав там, спілкування з ним, вони сьогодні для мене є фундаментом мого життя. And that kind of conversations with God, that revelations which I received, even now they are a foundation of my life. What were some of your prayers like? What, what were you praying? Просто був відкритий повністю для Бога, тому що для людей навіть на той час я не міг ще бути відкритий так, як потрібно. I, I don't know how to describe that, but my kind of prayer was some dialogue with God. I was just sharing my heart, my desires, my plans on future. And also I need to mention that I wasn't very open to people. I can't trust people. That's why I was very transparent only with God. І мене ніхто не вчив молитись фактично. Я бачив, як це робиться в церкві, куди я почав ходити, але я до кінця цього не розумів. Я... Це був мій особистий якийсь такий досвід в спілкуванні з Богом. І nobody taught me how to pray. So I just learned that by my own experience. I felt that in just praying, just practicing. What, what year did you get saved? Ну, перша та зустріч, про яку я кажу, що я пережив на фізичному рівні, вона була 
1996 році. Це був червень місяць. І фактично через рік в червні місяці 97-му році я вже був вільний від залежності. I mentioned you two times when I felt God, so first physical touch I felt in June of 1996, but only after the year in June 1997 it was my desire to just quit the drugs. So you've been walking with Jesus for 25-26 years. Тобто ви з Богом вже 26 років? Виходить так. Скільки вам років? Зараз 58. В якому році ви народились? В 1965 році, в травні. Вам було десь 32, коли ви спаслись? Намагаюсь людям картину часу показати. So now, um, when I first met, is it Whitney? And who's the other guy? Mark. Mark and, Mark and Whitney, excuse me. They said that uh, you are a pastor, which you've talked about that. And, and you're ministering to Ukrainian soldiers on the front lines. Right now? How did that come about? Розкажіть про це. Коли мене Бог звільнив від е, залежності наркотичної, також я пережив таке звільнення від зброї, яку я мав у своєму житті. When I was liberated from drug addiction, God also delivered me from weapon addiction. Тому що фактично, як я кажу, з самого дитинства, з юнацтва в мене була зброя. І коли я прийшов до Христа, я почув від нього, що я повинен звільнитися від тієї зброї, яку я заховав, щоб вона лежала у мене там вдома. God told me that my weapon is my idol and I don't know how to use it in the right way that's why I need to just get rid of all my weapon wow. and at that moment I didn't mention I didn't supposed to use that weapon but I hid it in my home Це трапилось також на богослужінні коли була проповідь про ідолів які є в житті віруючих людей, я дивився на себе і думаю, у мене ідолів ніяких немає. Але під час служіння Бог сказав, це та зброя, яку я сховав. It was funny though, because I was listening to the preacher on some kind of ministry and serving, and uh, that preacher was speaking about idols. I was listening to and I was thinking, I don't have any kind of idols, I'm fine. And God was telling to me, what's about that weapon which you hid it in your home? Ah. 
І фактично з 1997 року по 2022 рік, коли почалася війна, я не мав ніякої зброї в себе. So since 1997 But in February 2022 I heard the voice of God again that I will fight for my country that's why I need a weapon. Ми створили з братами такий підрозділ невеликий з шести людей. Ми почали тренуватися для війни. We created the volunteering group of just simple people. We created the group for defend our city. Ми найняли військового тренера, який тренував нас військовому ділу. We hired the military instructor to teach us how to fight. Але в одну із ночей, коли я був на блокпосту, Бог проговорив, що я не повинен йти воювати в армію. Але розуміння те, що я повинен робити все для того, щоб вигнати ворога з нашої землі, я таке мав розуміння, і ми своїм підрозділом почали займатися капеланством. But I still had understanding that I would like to fight for my country and to defend them. That's why all that group of people we decided to be a chaplains on the front line. Тільки одна людина із цієї групи, вона пішла і зараз вона воює. Only one person from that group went to join the army, now they are on the front line. А остальні вони зараз капелани. All of them are chaplains. So how do you minister on the front lines to the, the military people? Як ви служите військовим? Ми Приїжджаємо, ми усиновили три підрозділи а, по лінії фронту. Тому що спочатку ми їздили від підрозділу до підрозділу, проповідували Євангелія і надавали ну, можливу допомогу військовим, як в спорядженні, чи а, на початку війни навіть їжі у наших військових. At the beginning of the war, our army was literally naked. They didn't have anything, equipment, food, clothes, nothing. That's why we were trying to help as much as we can to different units. А потім ми зрозуміли, що ми можемо робити більш ефективно свою роботу. But then we understood that we can make our work more effectively. І я кажу про ефективність роботи, це не тільки щось надати якусь допомогу матеріально чи попроповідувати Євангелію. 
Я бачу ефективність нашої роботи як капелані в тому, що ми будемо людей не вертати на істину віру. But for me the result of good work of chaplains is when all the soldiers they are receiving God in their hearts. Бо фактично у нас в країні всі знають, хто такий Ісус і що він зробив, але люди, на жаль, не стали на шлях Христа, вони не несуть свого Христа за Да, тому ми хочемо впливати. Зараз для нас велика можливість впливати, щоб людей навертати на істину, а не просто, щоб люди мали якусь абстрактну віру. That's why it's our purpose, not just to share some abstract faith, but really to give them specific truths about their life. У нас є розуміння, що кожен, хто вірить в Христа, він повинен бути його послідовником чи учнем. And we also believe that every Christian should be not just saved person, but to be follower of God, to be disciple. Amen. Тому ми приїжджаємо до них і ми залишаємося в цих підрозділах і можемо жити там 4 дні, неділю. That's why we are visiting uh, these three units every week. We are living there even for four days, and we are literally living with them. Фактично, ми проживаємо з ними цей час. And when we are living, we are trying to change their mindset. Ми спимо там, де вони сплять, маємо те, що вони їдять. Ми потрібно копаємо окопи. І укриття робимо разом. We are sleeping with them, we are eating food with them, their food. We also digging the trenches with them. Фактично ми частина цих підрозділів. Eventually we are the present. We are very present in that unit. And by your presence, you earn credibility, you build relationships so that when you talk about Jesus, they're more receptive. Завдяки вашій присутності ви отримуєте довіру в стосунках, і вони можуть приймати Євангелію. Так, так, ми кажемо, і не тільки кажемо, але ми так і живемо, що Бог і церква, вони серед цих людей. That's що what... вони не відділені ні від Бога, ні від церкви. That's what we are saying to that soldiers, you are not separated from the church. The church is not only for you. We are here for you. We are waiting for you and we want to be like as a church we want to be present in your unit. Are the other men who are chaplains from your church? Вас є інші люди також, які капелани з вашої церкви? Звичайно, це як з нашої церкви, так і церкви ну, дочерні, які у нас є ще по Україні. In our union we have seven daughter churches, so we have chaplains from every church. Daughter churches meaning churches that your church is planted? Дочерні церкви – це ті церкви, які ви насадили. Так, так, да. У нас ще, крім нашої церкви, є сім дочерніх церков. І фактично в кожній з церков є люди, які залучені в капеланство, і вони відповідають за те чи інший підрозділ. 
Yes, we have uh, seven churches in our union, and also every chaplain, every group from every church, they are adopting, they are responsible for specific direction of unions. And so, are these Ukrainian soldiers that you're ministering to in the Ukrainian military, or are they also just regular civilians who have taken up arms? Ми майбутнє почали, скажімо так, з цивільних під час війни, тому що військовим ми почали допомагати трошки пізніше, коли ми визначилися, що ми не підемо зі зброєю воювати проти ворога, коли ми створили капеланський підрозділ. Тоді ми почали допомагати військовим, а до цього ми почали допомагати цивільним. We, all our churches, we are just simple people, we are not military people, and we have some experience for helping civilians, but when the war started, we understood that we need to help not only civilians, but also military. Вінниця, вона знаходиться в центрі України, тому всі прифронтові міста, вони почали оєвакуватись на Західну Україну чи за кордон виїжджати. І ми стали як місцем такої дислокації, де через нас проходили люди і тисячі людей. Our chaplains, they are not only helping in the military and front line, but also they are very involved in their church social work. Because even refugees from eastern part, when they were trying to escape, they were moving to the central part of Ukraine, and our city became as a transit point for their trip. Ми стали цим транзитом для тисячі тисяч людей. Але потім ми побачили, що у Вінниці теж залишається багато. And we become this transit point. We help like thousands people with clothes and food, but some of them stayed in Vinnytsia. І ми створили такий пункт допомоги тим, хто залишається у Вінниці. And we created the whole warehouse for the people who stay in Vinnytsia. За цей час ми надали допомогу там десяткам тисяч, 60 тисяч людей десь отримали допомогу від нас. Це їжа, одяг, медицина, гігієна, це консультації, і також це допомога людям прямо там на пункті, тому що ми запропонували людям бути також волонтерами в цьому русі. But also every IDP, they have possibility to become as a volunteer to join our team. Також був створений там такий майстерня добра чи арт-терапія для дітей. We also created the art therapy center for kids. Тому що багато людей, вони приїжджали саме з дітьми. Because people are coming with kids. І ми бачили цю потребу для дітей. And we noticed this need for kids. You're investing a lot of time and resources into all of these things. What kind of spiritual fruit are you seeing? По-перше, сьогодні люди, як ніколи, 
маючи таку проблему в своєму житті, вони готові слухати Євангелія. First of all, now when people they are in such difficulties, they are very open to listen to gospel. І це посів слова Божого. And we are seeding the word of God in their hearts. Кожен із цих 60 тисяч людей, вони слухали Євангелія. Частина з них молилися разом з нами, і більша частина вони дозволяли молитися за них. And like all that 60,000 of people, we prayed with them, we shared gospel with them. Ми чули від них багато свідчень, як Бог робить чудеса в їх житті. We heard a lot of testifying in testimonies how God changed in their life. Коли вони не могли забрати з окупованих міст своїх рідних і близьких, як вони виїжджали і вони могли загинути, але Бог робив неймовірне, ці люди добиралися до Вінниці неушкодженими. Even for example, we had a lot of stories when some people in our warrior house they needed to evacuate their family or their relatives from occupied territories and they understood that it will be risk and they could be like injured in that humanitarian corridor but after the prayer everything was just fine. Вони приходили і казали, що якийсь час вони не можуть знайти своїх рідних і близьких людей. Ми молилися за це, і вони з'являлися. Also, after prayer, God helped to find that people which couldn't be found after missile attack because they was in ruin, hiding in ruin. Вони отримали звістку, де вони зараз знаходяться. So we received in you like we found this person or this person after the prayer. На жаль, вони получали звістку, що хтось із їх рідних в полоні. Unfortunately, sometimes we received news that some relatives were in captivity. Але вони все одно мали втіху, що вони живі. But at least they had a hope that these people are alive. Тому в цьому є насправді плід. Якась частина людей, вони і зараз знаходяться у нас в церкві. A lot of that people joined the church. Хтось повернувся в свої міста, тому що їх міста зараз звільнені, і вони стали також відвідувати церкви там у себе вже в місті. Some of them they came back home and now they started to be a part of their church in that place. Я знаю, що через це прославляється Господь. Навіть якщо ми не знаємо сьогодні всі історії, але люди побачили справжню євангельську церкву. Тому що до війни Євангельська церква в більшості людей було розуміння, що це секта якась. Такі історії ходять про Євангельську церкву, що навіть в 21 віці ти думаєш, як таке можна в таке вірити. 
And we had such a funny stories, which is shared by Orthodox Church, that evangelical churches are eating babies, for example, in 21st century. Мені не так давно задавали запитання, чи справді у нас є якесь таке як день, в який ми приносимо людей в жертву. And you can think that, unfortunately, Soviet Union made this stereotype, but it's not true. Even a couple weeks ago, I received the request, this question. Is it true that evangelical churches are eating babies? <laughs> so one thing I love that I'm hearing is how you're using this need for humanitarian aid as a platform to share the gospel. A lot of times, Humanitarian aid is done with no connection to the gospel. Мені подобається, що ви використовуєте гуманітарну платформу для того, щоб ділитися Євангелієм, тому що більшість організацій просто надають гуманітарку раді гуманітарки. But if you take care of people's physical needs without taking care of their spiritual needs, what's the value in that? Але немає ніякої цінності надавати допомогу фізично і не піклуватися про душі. Ми на початку ще створення тієї церкви, пастором якою я являюся, ми прийняли таке тверде рішення, що ми нічого не будемо робити в соціальній сфері, якщо там не буде можливість проповіді Євангелія. We decided that we will not do anything in the humanitarian sphere if we will not have possibility to share gospel. I love that. I know that. And I know that people have other opinions, like you already making some merciful things. Is it not enough if it's important to share gospel? We call that the social gospel in the United States. It's not the real gospel. Але я там бачу частину, що роблячи добро, повинен прославлятися нас Небесний Батько. I know that Jesus teaching us that we need to do a lot of merciful and kind work, but also through this work we need to glorify our God. Я не хочу, щоб через те, що я роблю щось добре, прославлялося людське ім'я, прославлялося моє ім'я. I don't want to uh, glorify my own human name because of my good deals. I'm interested in glorifying God. And That's why when the war came, we just continued to do what we did before. We helped people with humanitarian aid, but we did that with glorifying God. 
and not just God, but Jesus Christ, right? І не просто Бога, а саме Ісуса Христа. Амінь, Христос, звичайно. Тому що богів багато. There are a lot of different gods. Я навіть кажу, що коли прославляється Христос, люди по-справжньому повинні зрозуміти, що це Христос, що це не якась релігія, наприклад, там православ'я. And we also against of glorifying some kind of religion or denomination. Ми за цей час війни біля 200 тонн допомоги вивезли тільки на лінію фронту. We also delivered at least 2000 kilograms to the front line of humanitarian aid. Тому що якась частина, вони не захотіли виїжджати з своїх міст, сел. Because some people they just don't have this opportunity to leave their home and to escape. І ми на протязі цих всіх місяців ми розвозили і розвозимо сьогодні допомогу там, де насправді небезпечно, люди живуть і вони потребують і в одежі, і в їжі. So we are giving that humanitarian aid to people who is in need. Але ми не даємо просто аби віддати. Ми обов'язково проповідуємо Євангеліє. Ми не завжди можемо зібрати людей докупи разом. Тому що це небезпечно. Російські дрони бачать, що збираються люди, вони не розбираються, вони обстрілюють цивільних. It's very dangerous to gather people in that territory because Russian drones, they absorbing the territories and when they see civilians. Під час роздачі такої гуманітарної допомоги загинуло немало людей у нас. A lot of people uh, were killed and suffered because of they came to the crowd with the humanitarian aid and Russian drone saw that and it was missile attack. Тому ми приїжджаємо в село і командою розносимо по хатам людям цю допомогу і ми обов'язково проповідуємо Євангеліє. That's why we are coming from home to home and sharing gospel. Very shrewd, wise. Ти дуже мудро. Люди повинні знати, що віруючі – це не якась закрита а, якась організація, що ми йдемо а, до людей. Ми повинні людям відкрити, що віра, вона не тільки повинна бути всередині нас, а вона повинна бути дієвою. And we... As a church, we need to show people that Christians is not some kind of close organizations that we may come and we want to show them real faith. І таким чином ми впливаємо, люди розуміють, що євангельська церква це церква, а не якась секта. And when we are sharing this aid but also empathy and our hope and faith, they see that we are not a cult. And when you're doing it one-on-one from home to home instead of in a large group, it's probably more effective. Ну і це, мабуть, більш ефективно від дому до дому, ніж в більшій групі людей робити, служити Євангелієм. Да, да. You get to have interpersonal interaction. Ви можете з людиною більше поспілкуватись. Хороший контакт, звичайно, що проповідь Євангелія один на один, вона завжди мала більше результату, більше плоду, ніж 
коли збирається багато людей, ти проповідуєш. Serving people one by one is was it was more effective for all times. Yeah. Yeah. So, given this whole story, why are you here right now? Чого ви тут сьогодні? На початку війни ми познайомилися з організацією Lantern Rescue. At the beginning of the war, I already mentioned that we met the organization Lantern Rescue, яка допомогла нам в капеланській справі. They helped us in our chaplaincy work a lot. Ми стали фактично з ними робити одну роботу. We are doing one work with them. Лантерескю, вони допомагають нам як серед військових, так і серед цивільних. They are helping us among civilians and among uh, military people. Вони запросили нас сьогодні в Америку для того, щоб ми могли свідчити про те, що насправді твориться в нашій країні. And they invited us here to share the truth about the war between Russia and Ukraine. And so I want to bring in Whitney from Lantern Rescue to talk about things from their side. Um, maybe Anya, if you stay close to him so you can translate anything, but can you hear me without your headphones? Okay. So Whitney, welcome to the table. Hi Matt, how are you? This has been an amazing conversation. I have no doubt. And uh, I know a little bit about Lantern Rescue and I know that you've had a little bit of a role in this whole thing, um, but tell me more. Yeah, so specifically regarding Ukraine, you know, God has kind of lined things up in a really unique way. And he did so at the very beginning. Um, you know, there was connections made far before we, before anything ever happened with Ukraine and Russia. And those connections became um, really vital as we saw the progression of um, Russia heading into Ukraine. So that being said, um, fast forward to about eight days into the, the war in Ukraine. Uh, actually, Lantern Rescue stepped into the border of Poland and Ukraine with counter-human trafficking efforts or anti-human trafficking efforts. And that's really where we started to put our footprint because we recognized that there were going to be tons of women and children moving across the border without um, a male to, to, to help guide, right? And that, that male figure to protect them. And we were right, there was a lot of volatility in that place as people were moving across the border and fleeing Ukraine. You saw this... Um, the bad guys were, were lurking in the shadows, right? And so we kind began- Kind of an opportunistic thing. Absolutely. Anytime there is a vulnerable population or quick moves, so you see this anytime there is war or crisis, right? Is uh, a quick jolt of people to move or, or something to happen in that area. It, it recog- they recognize that there's a vulnerable population, right? And that's exactly what it was. So take me back again. You sure. might've said this, but I was kind of, my mind was somewhere else. That's okay. What exactly is Lantern Rescue's Absolutely. mission and what are you doing? Did you already answer that question? No, I did not. So, okay, good. You I'm know, not, no, you're not. I'm you're not imagining. It. You're fine. Um, so Lantern Rescue is a foundation that works in really three components. Um, counter-human trafficking is the first one. Uh, so, and that is pretty self-explanatory, but we do operate in about nine countries currently specifically to counter-human trafficking. So we go in, we build relationships with the governments in those countries um, at a high level so that prosecution happens. There's a lot of great organizations going in and kicking down doors, but the sustainability of that is not typically there, right? So I, I, I tell a lot of people, think of it in 
you know, terms of a of drug dealer, right? If you take away their stash, they're not just going to stop selling drugs. Right. Except now we're talking about taking away their stash being people. And so they're just re-upping with more people, right? So you create this gap in the system just by going in, kicking down doors and saying, okay, great. Uh, we'll see you later, you know? So really our heart became, hey, if we're going to make this a sustainable change in these countries, we have to step up to the plate and have prosecution happen. But in order for that to happen, we have to be working with local law enforcement and government officials to ensure that prosecution happens and that change happens. So obviously one of the countries is Ukraine. Right, right. Can you name other countries or is that on the down low? Um, I can tell you regions. Okay. So we do work uh, in the Caribbean. Um, we work in Africa, West Africa. Um, we also work, you know, we have a domestic effort as well, which deals specifically with um, child sexual abuse material or CSAM. Um, and that is a whole nother, that would take us a long time to get through. But yep. it's basically, you know, what, what we're accustomed to seeing is child pornography. Yep. Um, that's something we work with in multiple uh, areas as well. So Asia Pacific is another area that we are heavily focused on the CSAM portion because there is a lot of exchange of that material via the internet. The internet has opened up a new world of trafficking. Totally. And it's overwhelming, truly. Yep. Um, so stepping into those places and equipping governments to be able to handle that. And so you've got this one cat, is his name Mark? Yes. Who I've been talking to. Yeah, Mark. And he, he's got a background in like... <laughs> Intelligence. Pen, Pentagon stuff. Like, I, he was talking to me. I was like, are you like Jason Bourne in real flesh? <laughs> I don't know. He said he's done a lot of bunch of different stuff. And blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, there must be a level of... If you're going to engage in this world... Yes. I mean, there's a lot of money involved. There's right. a lot of power, violence, right? Absolutely. I mean, I've seen Corruption. the movies. Right. Uh, what's the dude's name? Liam Neeson. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Taken. Yes. Uh, stuff like that. And I mean, I, that's Hollywood, but right. um, yeah, corruption. Yeah. Um, well, money's at the root, right? So we know anytime money is at the root, it's evil yeah. that, in, in this capacity, right? Money can be used for great things, but yeah. unfortunately, you know, we're aware that we can only serve two master, one master, right? Yeah. Not two. Yeah. So we're either serving money or serving God in that situation. So, so often. yeah. To what degree are you guys getting like involved? This seems, I've heard of different anti-trafficking things and that's great. They're all you know, support, right, them, a, support them all. Right. But it, I mean, just my first impression of yes. what you guys are doing, it seems like it's a little like different. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. more just like a little more muscle maybe. Yeah. And a little more like, um, like, like you said, if you're pursuing prosecution, you're working with right. government officials. Right. So, you know, really, and I, I, the best way to explain it, it's very much the idea of you know, teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Right. Give a man a fish. You only feed him for a day. Yeah. And that's how we have to approach going into these countries. So we come into these countries free of charge and we're coming in to equip them to fight this battle on their home front because no one is going to fight for their people, their country, like the way someone in their country that's is going Nehemiah. To. Build a wall in front of your own house. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so that is a big part of what has really made us different. And, uh, you know, I mean, these countries that we're working with, we have eight countries right now that are asking us to come in there and, and do the work. But that requires funds, right? And so that takes time and building out a network. You know, we um, we had an operation in the Caribbean that it took eight months, right, of undercover investigative work to be able to build a prosecution. But because of that eight months that we invested, we were able to then go in and rescue 87 girls, right? 87 girls from trafficking. Was that eight months worth it? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Would we have been able to accomplish the same thing going in in a week's time and knocking down a door at a brothel? 
Probably not. Right. Right? Um, so, it, so, you know, these things take time. So right? what does an operation look like in the final in the final step? Like, how do you, when you're ready to go, what do you do? Ready to go, like, kick the door down? Yeah, like, locked and loaded, <laughs> like, guns blazing? Uh, is this like... You know, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, sometimes like, that's uh, a part of it. Is this, like, off the radar stuff? Is this, like... Um, mercenary type stuff or is this you're working with the government so we military are people? yeah no we're working with those so we're training up the law enforcement because here's the other part of it we don't want this white savior complex right we don't want to go in and the only time this country feels comfortable or this group of, of law enforcement feel comfortable knocking yeah. down doors as if we're there that does nobody any good we need a team of people that are ready to react when the time is right right and so in order to do that we have to be training them all the time. So we have operators from the U.S. that go down, and they are former military, prior um, law enforcement or intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. And they're they're believers. You know, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. God is moving forward. So we also share the gospel in a lot of in in our training of the cool. law enforcement officers in these countries. That's awesome. So we never let that be neglected. It's in every part of what we do. We recognize that there's a physical rescue that happens, yeah. but the most important rescue is spiritual. Amen. Uh, for everybody involved. So, um, so I mean, there's that building of of giving them the things that they need. And so often, it's the the these countries don't have ammunition, so we train them with with guns that have laser points and track the shots yeah. instead of live ammunition because they don't have easy access to that. We want them to have access to it when it's time to go knock the door yeah. down. Yeah. So there's little things like that that you know so many people don't don't even know it's behind the scenes, right? Of of ensuring that these things are done and done yeah. well because just doing them isn't good enough. So I I don't know if you're going to have an answer to this, but if you do just speak into the mic right there but i'm asking you the question so why why invest in bringing mm, these guys here absolutely and am i right that anya you've been here for two weeks this time uh yes we, we will be here two weeks more mm -hmm. so when did you get to the states eighth of may yep so just recently yeah and then you're just are you primarily prepping to be here or are you doing other stuff well, no, they've been, they've traveled around to speak to multiple different churches and organizations um, through North Carolina, Florida. I mean, you guys have, they've been all over. On behalf of Project Lantern? Uh, on behalf of Lantern Foundation, Lantern. but more. Am I saying it right? What's Lantern it? Foundation. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. So Lantern, Lantern Rescue. Lantern it's Rescue. It's where you'll see yeah, us. Okay, yep, okay. Lantern Rescue. But not just on behalf of Lantern Rescue, but on behalf of the heart of Ukraine. Yeah. Um, you know, the people of Ukraine are, are so thankful that America is, is standing with them. And, and but, but there's more, right? There's more that we can be doing. There's more that we can say. And, and the encouragement, you know, they, they're amazing, right? Like, the reason they're here is because we need people to see and understand the value in what they're fighting for. And also the revival that's occurring in Ukraine. You know, it's a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual warfare. And Anya, you know, has we've spoken in terms of that. And, you know, initially when things were kind of beginning in the war, there were a lot of churches and things like that targeted. Why? Because it's a spiritual battle. At the end of the day, if you break down the church, you break down the country. We can see that in America, right? So those are things that we can consider. If we continue to break down the church, we break down the country and we, we rot from the inside. When I, when I was talking to Mark, yes. um, I've been, I've been watching this Ukraine-Russia situation, yeah, and I'm pretty interested in geopolitical stuff. Yes, I'm. I would say I'm fairly informed, not as informed as I used to be when I was like fully throated in the political arena. Yeah, and I've kind of just kind of stood back from this mm -hmm. because when this first broke out, the people who were first championing Ukraine yes. are people who are 
ideologically not where I'm at. Yeah. And so I was immediately suspicious mm-hmm. of what's going on here. Well, then you hear about stuff in Russia and Putin, and obviously you're not on board with that. No. And so it's like, okay, wait a minute. You're who, in a who, weird spot. Where am I going to land on this? And yeah. I'm not necessarily even bringing this subject up for the sake of our audience to convince them to no. land this way no. or that way. Yeah. But do you understand what I'm talking about? I 1,000% understand what so, you're talking about because it's in every conversation I have in the U.S. regarding Ukraine. I mean, truthfully, with believers. Yeah. Right? We found ourselves in a really difficult spot because one side of the fence is is um, we feel like helping Ukraine. And, and unfortunately, because we are so politically divided in so many ways as a nation, right? If that one side is doing something, we automatically are like, oh, no, we don't want anything to do with that, right? But here's what I would argumentatively say, and it's something to consider for all of us. And I've I'm, this is coming personally, right? Because I found myself in that weird ground yeah. before we were full into this fight with, um, for Ukraine is I would challenge every individual to consider if politics is their idol. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because here's what I've seen so often is, you know, we have, we choose a side, and I have a feeling most of us are on a certain side, <laughs> um, which has made this a difficult conversation to have, mm-hmm. right? Um, we choose a side, but we should be choosing Christ, right? And yeah. now very often those two coincide but it doesn't mean that the individual issues have to be broken right right that's i mean we see the problem with that we've we've fallen so far as a nation right um and so it's hard when we see one side saying something and agreeing to something we automatically are like okay i can't have anything to do with that yeah but you know there there is a fight beyond yeah politics even when i was talking to mark and i don't know if this is off the record or not so i won't say a whole lot of it but i mean the United States has an 800 and some billion dollar defense yeah, budget. And, yeah. and that money is going to be spent somewhere. No matter what, and re-upped in January. And <laughs> and we have a uh, security agreement with Ukraine. The that, Budapest Memorandum. That goes back mm-hmm. to, say it slower. Budapest Memorandum. The Budapest Memorandum. Yep. Um, and so in a sense, mm-hmm. because of that, we're, we're obligated to this. And yeah. you could argue whether the Budapest memorandum was a good idea or not right when yeah. it happened doesn't do us any good now to, to argue yeah. that part right and and, <laughs> and uh so there are some objective things even without talking about the spiritual realities right. that might make well and then think about russia and putin and china and yeah. iran and, yeah. and these alliances and what it means for freedom and for yes uh the the world's safety and stability yep. that kind of thing so um, there are some objective realities that we could consider. And then when you factor in the spiritual side, which you just said, yeah. I mean, we need to be most concerned with Christ. Absolutely. Um, I mean, particularly when I hear his story and, and the things that are happening. And really, we were talking about how traffickers are opportunistic. Absolutely. Where there's, inst- where there's instability, we're going to go take advantage of that. In, do you remember when Rahm Emanuel said, we can't let this crisis go to waste? Yeah. Do you know what I'm talking yes. about? Yes. <laughs> and uh, Christians could afford to think that way a little bit too. Absolutely. Like, like here's an opportunity. Yes. Um, because people are spiritually open yes. in, a way that, <laughs> in a way that they wouldn't normally be. And to have a guy like Alex and his group of chaplains mm-hmm. ministering the gospel to them, it, that's powerful. We should be asking, how can we help? As yeah. Christians here, and we, if we believe in the Great Commission, we yeah. should be asking, how can I help move this message forward? Yeah. Now, tell me this. 
and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, and I'm not. This isn't a gotcha yeah. question, but I'm just. No, sure. I'm just thinking of this for the first time. Absolutely. If there was some, let's say there was some Russian mm. guy okay. who's a pastor, right. who's an evangelical, and he's ministering to these Russians on the front lines, is it? Mm. Could it be the same, or is it fundamentally different so that that would not be even a thing? Uh, you know you what I'm may, asking? Yeah, you mean, well, do you want me to answer that in an honest way? Yeah, I, just I, candid, whatever you think. Knowing the things that firsthand um, that are going on on the two different fronts, I would arguably say that, that, that you're not going to find any chaplains on the Russian front right now. You're not going to find evangelical yeah, no. people. And if you heard the stories, and I know we probably don't have time to even go into them, but the initial stories of, of the invasion, the yeah. people that they were sending into some of these um, cities or, or uh, towns, and the things that they were doing, you would know it is nothing but demonic. And I, I mean, if I, I can't even, I don't even think I can tell you some of the things that were going on on the radio. <laughs> like, wow. it was that extent. Yeah. Um, but, but we don't know that because it's not, you're yeah. not seeing it anywhere. Nobody's talking about it. And even, even Christians that are supporting Ukraine don't know how to speak on it because of exactly what you just said before, mm-hmm. right? Is this idea of like, oh, I don't know. What do I do? Where do I stand, right? Yeah. I'm definitely not standing for the left on this. But if I'm right, how do I stand for something that they are also helping, right? Yeah. The idea of it, the truth of the matter is, there's a, it's just like you said, there's of that $807 billion budget, it's going to be spent either way. Right. So why would we why are why are we so opposed to it being spent to to the to help aid in where we see the gospel moving? Yeah. As Christians. Yeah. Right. We have to be able to see past that that political boundary line yeah. in, in regards to these types of issues. Right? Yeah. There's not everything is like that. You know, there are some things that are very obvious. You stand on one side or the other. But in this manner, man, we we are missing an opportunity. And and how much is Satan benefiting from that right now? Mm. If he can, if he can stomp out a country that is in the midst of revival, why wouldn't he try it? And yeah. why wouldn't why wouldn't he want us silent as Christians on it? Yeah, I mean that's what he's doing, and yeah. if we're too blind to see it. What's your background? Oh, um, like where, well, where were you yeah. raised? When did you come to faith? Sure. All that kind of stuff. Oh gosh. Ooh, you really want to be here for a while. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no, I was raised in Southern North Carolina. So, you know, in the boonies, we call it. So, yeah. um, and I, you know, I was raised in church as a child. I came to accept Christ at eight. I didn't surrender to him until yeah. I was in my 20s. Yep. Um, so it's a different, you know, I, I lived an adventurous life yeah. <laughs> through that. Um, but then in my 20s, I, he brought me to my knees and uh, through a relationship that I happened to be in. And he has continued to bring me to my knees in a way that honors him going forward. So um, after college, I went into marketing and trust and wealth management. So financial planning, mainly because I loved old people and I wanted to be around, you know, estate planning for elderly. I don't know. It was my thing. I just, uh, you know, I had very influential um, foundational elderly people yeah, in my family that awesome. really changed my, my walk with Christ in a, in a great way. Um, but God called me out of that and I fought him tooth and nail on it and he put me in the public school system. Wow. And so I taught for eight years um, marketing and business to high schoolers. Wow. And I have a great passion for that. And that, um, you know, he actually brought me out of that two years ago into Lantern Rescue but with the same mission at heart. Um, and it's really for people to understand and know and recognize their worth and their value in Christ, right? You know, we, that's, that's my heart for all people is that they just know that they're valued and loved by a savior that is so much bigger than any sin they've lived in or dwelled in, any dark place they've been in. Um, and, 
being with those kids in the public school sector, that was a, a you know a definite need. I'll say, I, it really I recognize that the identity crisis in our world and our country is not who we are, but whose we are. Yeah. You know, and Amen. so um, that's my heart, and I, and I get to also continue that in Lantern is helping others recognize that they are worth fighting for, no matter where they are, who they are, and what they're stuck in. Yep. The Lord's coming for them. Praise the Lord. So, um, if they want to get connected with Lantern Rescue yes, or the please. foundation, absolutely. So they can go to lanternrescue.org, our website. Um, you can also find us on social media. So we have YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, you're welcome to reach out to us on LinkedIn. Um, any of those platforms. And we also have a podcast at Lantern Rescue on Truth Network. How often do you do a uh, Every episodes? Saturday. And a lot of them are live from our operators throughout the world. Wow. So That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's 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 been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you'll hear Ukraine, I mean, you'll hear about Ukraine on that as well. So you'll hear Anya and Alex on that podcast also. But awesome. Thank you so much for giving us a voice here yeah, today. Yeah, you bet. It's incredible. Anya, after listening to our conversation, is there anything either of you would add? Я хочу скорее всего, как и сказать это про войну, яка насправді зараз у нас в країні, тому що не всі, не все суспільство бачить цю війну насправді, якою вона є. I wanted to share like more about that war which we have because all world doesn't see this war is you should to see that. Частина суспільства вони не можуть погодитись сьогодні з тим, що Росія прийшла не за територіями чи економічними якимись благами нашої країни, а вона прийшла знищити наш народ. Unfortunately, the part of society don't agree that Russian came to our land not just to take the territories, but just to uh, take our nation and to make this genocide. Те навіть що я казав, коли ми роздаємо гуманітарну допомогу а по нас обстріли з артилерії. Even that fact that when we are sharing humanitarian aid and we are uh, injured by artillery attack. Де немає зовсім військових людей. There are no any military people in that moment. Там зібрались волонтери чи цивільні люди, які не покинули свої території. Коли кожен день Ми чуємо сирени в нашому місті, навіть якщо воно знаходиться за сотні кілометрів від лінії фронту. Also, our city is like in central part, so far away from the border, so far away from the front line, but we still attacked by missiles. Коли вони стріляють не просто по інфраструктурі якоїсь нашої країни, а стріляють по багатоповерхівкам чи по супермаркетам. Russia is fighting not only on front line or trying to destroy our infrastructure, but they are trying to hit entertainment places crowded with women and kids, and they are also trying to target the civilians, apartments, houses. 
Я не знаю, яке можна підібрати слово, але саме просте слово – це терористи. The most simple explanation of this is that the Russia is terrorist state. І цей тероризм кожен день. And they are trying to make this terrorism uh, true every day. Їх задача насправді це зруйнувати не тільки наші міста, а перш за все зруйнувати нашу націю. And their first purpose is not just to destroy our cities, but to destroy our nation, our culture and language. Вони побачили, що політично чи економічно це і неможливо це зробити. And when they noticed that it's impossible in a cultural or economical way, вони століттями культуру знищували українську. They were trying to kill our to destroy our culture for 100 years. Мову, поезію. They were destroying erasing our language, our poetry, literature and all culture. І прийшов час, коли вони зрозуміли, що нас треба просто знищити фізично. And they were trying to destroy our nation, nation in physical way several times. Сьогодні мільйони міста, де жили мільйони людей, вони просто зруйновані. Я не знаю, чи вони коли-небудь будуть відбудовані. Now we have cities which uh, like one, uh, one million of citizens were living in that cities, but now they are erased. Я думаю, що частина яких сіл, де там були села, бо зараз там нічого немає, крім uh, груд, ну, мусору, да? там всі домівки зруйновані. Вони навіть ніколи не будуть більше відбудовані. Це просто руйнування. It just ruined places, terrorism, for Anya or for him or for you how do we sort through everything that we hear and get the truth because there's there's propaganda I feel like going every direction and so even if I'm a skeptic I could listen to Alex and go how do I know he's credible I'd first off say get off your regular media sources and start start reading history. How about that? You know, like you want to know the truth? Let's start let's start way back, you know? I mean, there are pieces of this that that have been long set and you know, even even knowing some of the people we had in operations and uh, former intelligence, they could see this you could see this coming, you could see this brewing, right? Like we have a lot of people that refer back to Hitler, but we can't seem to see what's before us as a Holocaust of sorts, yeah. right? I mean, except, yeah, there's, there's just so many pieces to it. And you're right, it is hard. It is, we live in a time where it is incredibly hard to recognize truth. 
but take it back to the Bible. You want to str- if you're struggling on it, take it back to God's word. What does God call us to do as believers? Because the rest should be silenced when you find that truth. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that that is, if I could say anything, that would be it. Take your take your your fr- your your questions on the world around us and bring it straight to the source of truth. Yeah. And if that doesn't convict your heart. Ah, I don't know. I, I, well, it's hard. I agree. You know? I'm trying to figure out what even are the questions that I have. Yeah. I mean, how do I even know right. what my questions are right. without knowing what information is reliable? Right. Well, that's that's difficult too, right? So we take it back to the 90s, the WWJD, what would Jesus do? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll give it a little throwback there, you yeah. know, and just, and I think that's the question that the Holy Spirit is able to answer, no matter how informed or uninformed you are. Yeah. Right? He can break through that silence. Yeah, for sure. Um, and speak that's to good. your heart on that, so. Anything from you? No. Thank you for being here. Anya, you're a tremendous, tremendous translator. Yeah, praise the Lord. And you're using your gift well. So keep doing that. That's awesome. This is a, a very, um, one of my favorite interviews that I've done. <laughs> and I'm, I'm glad I could pull Whitney in and get a little bit of information about Lantern Rescue. Uh, Alex, th- oh, I got a question. One more question. Um, what? Why is it worth your time? to be here now instead of there with soldier or with soldiers on the front line. Ну, по-перше, так як я і казав, що ми хочемо, щоб суспільство все більше і більше дознавалося, що твориться в Україні. First of all, because we think that community should know the truth about the Ukraine. Так чи інакше від суспільства залежить наскільки швидко ми будемо мати перемогу над цим ворогом. And the dynamic of the war is very dependent on how society will react on this war. І те, що ми робимо повсюди, ми просимо, щоб за нас ще посиленіше молились, ніж до цього часу. That's why whenever we are going, we are asking to pray about us. Ми дякуємо владі Америки, що вони почали більше надавати нам зброї для війни. We are very thankful to United States that they are giving more weapons to Ukraine right now. Але ми розуміємо, скільки б зброї нам не надали, Якщо Господь не вступиться за нас, нам не бачити перемоги. But we also know that it doesn't matter how many equipment we will have if God will not stand in front of us, we will not have this victory. Тому, як слово Боже каже, що коней приготовляють на день битви, а перемога вона від Господа. The Bible is saying that we are preparing the horse, but God is giving us the victory. Тому ми дякуємо за всю допомогу, яку ви надаєте нам, але більш за все ми просимо посиленої молитви. So we are very thankful for any kind of help and support, but we have the huge request to keep praying. Awesome. Do you know Pastor Igor, who I'm going to talk to tomorrow? Ah. Пастор Бандура, да. Я знаю 
ту організацію і церкву, яку він представляє. I know the union. А з ним особисто я не знайомий. Тільки познайомилися сьогодні. I just met him today morning. When you say the union, you mean the church or the what? Yeah, his Baptist Union churches. Got it. Cool. Hey, thank you so much for your time. God bless your visit. When are you going home? Дякую вам. Додому їдемо 27 числа. Thank you. We are coming back home on 27th of May. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Whitney. The CC Podcast Conversations is part of Christian Crusaders Radio and Internet Ministry, started in 1936 and is one of America's longest-running radio ministries. We are 100% donor-funded, and donations to our ministry are tax-deductible. So if you are encouraged, challenged, or inspired by today's conversation, please consider making a donation on our website, christiancrusaders.org, or mail a check to Christian Crusaders, 7401 University Avenue, Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. In addition to our other podcasts, which I mentioned at the front of this episode, I want to mention two of our other ministry partners worth checking out. First, the Cedar Falls Bible Conference, equipping believers with the truth of God's Word since 1922. Visit cedarfallsbibleconference.com for free access to previous conference content or for more information about upcoming events. Second is Power to Change Digital Strategies, an online ministry partnering volunteer Christian mentors with people around the world searching the internet for answers. If you or someone you know could benefit from an anonymous online conversation with a caring Christian adult, go to issuesiface.com. Or if you would like to be a volunteer Christian mentor, please visit p2cdigital.com. That's the letter P, the number two, and the letter C, digital.com. See our episode notes for details and links, and remember to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. God's richest blessings to you, and thanks again for listening.